the elder. To the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who was chosen by God, send their greetings. Cool. All right. Um, So as we come to understand uh, God's word today, uh, it's important that we pray that God would help us to do this. Um, So let's pray to begin. Um, Heavenly Father, as we come under your word today, please open our hearts and open our minds to the truths of this passage and most importantly, point us towards Jesus. Amen. If you had one chance to deliver an important message to your local church, what would it be? And if you could summarise a short and succinct message of what you would want for your church, what would it be? Now, there may be a variety of things uh, that you could say. Uh, And one could say, keep living for Jesus, which is a good thing. Uh, Or read your Bible more. Or tell others about Jesus as much as you can. In our passage today, John feels absolutely compelled and is passionate about one particular issue that must be addressed. Although he wants to tell his local church face to face, as we see in verse 12, John makes it a high priority to tell them this message by the means of writing a letter so that it can be delivered by a messenger before he arrives. Now, what does he want them to know about that is of such great importance? So let's have a look at the start of our passage and see, starting at verse 1. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. Now, firstly, it gives us three main characters. Uh, In the first verse, it's notably the elder, the lady chosen by God, and her children. And the elder is John, an apostle of Jesus. And the lady here is is the church that he is writing to. I mean, the children are the specific members of the church that John wants to encourage. Now, it does seem a bit strange to call the church a lady, 
but from what we can see in the Bible uh, is that the church is united to Christ and is likened to be a, a bride being united with her husband. Um, so some people think that this lady could be a specific member of the church, uh, but it is most likely the church as a whole, uh, with the bride and groom analogy of Christ in the church in mind. So the question is, how does John feel about this church that he is writing this urgent message to? Have a look at verse 1 and 2. Now there is an outworking uh, from John in the way that he relates to these people who also know the truth. He loves them because of the truth and he loves them because of their common ground. Uh, And as we can see in these first two verses, truth is mentioned three times. Loving the truth, know the truth, and because of the truth. And as it at the start of our passage, the repetition is showing us that this topic of truth will be the main theme and foundation. And notice that this truth isn't something that is only true for a while, but rather is a truth that never leaves, a truth that will always remain with them forever. Now, we've said truth a whole lot of times. What is this truth? And why would one common truth unite John in the churches that he is writing to? Have a look at verse 3. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. The important truth that John has been talking about in the past two verses is all about Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of truth and he's also the embodiment of love. Jesus himself reaffirms this as he says in John 14, verse 6, that he is the way, the truth and the life. He not only taught what was true, but he was also perfect in all that he did. He was sinless. Not one area of his being was filled with sin. And after he died to pay the price for our sin and rose again on the third day, he promised his disciples that he would continue to be with them until the very end of the age. And this would be through the Holy Spirit indwelling in their hearts. So that the truth of Christ is in their hearts forever. Now, not only does John have this common ground on the truths of God and what Jesus has done, his love for his recipients and the truth leads to great joy. Have a look at verse 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father has commanded us. Now, John has found that the recipients of his letter are walking in the truths of Jesus. And for him, as an elder and overseer of this congregation... Them walking in the truths of the gospel is a very important thing. And this is because what they are working towards is an end result. If they stand firm in the truths of the gospel, then they will receive eternal life with Christ forever. While if they don't walk in the truth, they may fall away. The very faith that John wants them to be established and grounded in, they may fall away from. And we'll see more of this in the next part of our passage. Uh, But before we move on, I think it's important that we ask ourselves... Do we share this same joy in verse 4 that John has for his recipients? Or do do we even share the same immeasurable joy that John has with our fellow Christians? And do we encourage one another enough to keep living for Jesus? Um, Just as John is encouraging his local church to live for the truth, we should do the same. And even more as the day when Jesus returns is getting closer. So have a think to yourself... As the new year begins, how can I continue to encourage my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? 
Now, the joy that John has for these church members is also because they are walking in the truth just as God commanded. From the beginning of time, God has commanded his people to be in the truth as well as to walk in it, as God is the definition of what is true. I mean, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is in the Old Testament, we see God command his people, Israel, to do this very thing, starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. As, as those who follow God, they love God with all they have, with him at the centre of their entire being. And we see later on in this Deuteronomy passage, it talks about the truth of God being in all aspects of their lives, uh, on their hearts, uh, when they lie down, when they get up, and even on their foreheads. Um, and if you want to talk about this passage later, I'd love to. It's great. Um, it is to be wholehearted, all in. Uh, rather than only loving God when they feel like it, or only giving their time when they feel like it. And as people love God, this love flows on to those around them. Now, this section, uh, verses 1 to 4, has given us a solid and firm foundation on what this letter will be about. It is all about the truth found through Jesus and how this should impact his readers. Uh, So with this knowledge, let's move on to verse 5 and 6 of this passage. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. As we see in verses 5 and 6 of 2 John, loving one another and following God go hand in hand. And similar to the repetition of truth in the first four verses, the repetition of love one another is to reinforce one of the main points that John is trying to get across. As Christians, we are called to walk in the truth of Jesus and the love of God. And as a result of this, we love others and it flows abundantly from these truths. Although this is not a new command, John makes effort to reinforce it as he says it of such a high importance. It is at the very core of who we are as those who follow Christ. You cannot take one without the other. You cannot say that you love God and yet not love others. Now, Jesus in his ministry, uh, when talking to his disciples, he talked about this important issue of loving God and loving others and how they go hand in hand. He said in John 13, verse 35, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, although it's great to be reminded that loving God and therefore loving others is important, why does John continually repeat himself about truth and love? Why does he see it of such great importance to repeat these truths over and over and over again? And we saw that his listeners would know about the commandments. It is not a new command that they have been given. We saw this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as well as John 13. We see the reason for John's repetition in the next part of our passage, verse 7. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. 
whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now, as we saw in the, uh, last week in the book of Jude, false teachers were rampant amongst the early church who may look godly on the outside in appearance, but through their actions and their teachings are under the judgment of God. Now, these false teachers that John specifically lists here in verse 7 do not acknowledge Jesus' coming in the flesh. Now, why is this a bad thing? And what's the problem with believing this? If Jesus was only a mere appearance of a human and was only spirit, it meant that when he rose from the dead, he did not rise physically. And rather, it was only his spirit that was raised. And this separates body and spirit. If the spirit of Christ was only raised, then this would mean that our spirit is only important. And this would mean that we would only have to look after our spiritual side rather than our physical bodies. And we could do whatever we want. And there would be absolutely no consequences. Now, it's like this ball of chocolate. It looks really good and pleasing to the eye. And in my family, we love uh, everything coated in chocolate, especially chocolate-coated almonds and chocolate-coated fruit at Christmas time. And they're the sort of thing that you must have on the shopping list, otherwise Christmas isn't made without it. Uh, Although this chocolate ball looks really good and good to eat, in reality, it's just a chocolate-coated Brussels sprout. Yuck indeed. And Brussels sprouts, in my opinion, and should be everyone's opinion, is nowhere near as good as chocolate. What looks good on the outside in reality, it's just straight garbage. <laughs> now, in comparison uh, to Brussels sprouts in chocolate, uh, how much more appalling is the heresy that these false teachers were bringing into that church? Because as we know, God sees all things. Uh, and our sin means that without Jesus, we're separated from him for eternity. And we can see that not walking in the truths of Jesus meant that these false teachers were deceived and they were not a part of God's kingdom as they were anti-Christ. I mean, they were against and in opposition to the true gospel. Now, he also gives uh, the readers of the congregation uh, a warning about falling into this pattern of false teaching as he reaffirms bluntly that those who continue by teaching these unbiblical truths, that they do not have God and that they are not a part of his kingdom. To deny the biblical Jesus is always rejecting what scripture tells us, and it rejects who he is and what he has done for us. And not only uh, do they deny the biblical Jesus, uh, but they also run ahead in in these teachings. Uh, Run ahead in this passage um, is not a literal run, uh, rather it is going beyond the truths of the gospel and what Jesus has done. Now, an example uh, could be that Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection was not enough. So therefore, you have to do something to ensure yourselves that you are saved. And this is called the gospel plus concept. Now, is there some good works that we could add to Jesus' work for us? Or is there some out-of-world experience that we need to have as a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us? We know that similar to this gospel plus idea, the separation of body and spirit, neither is from God. And that those that teach this are not from God either. We are sinners who are saved by the grace of God. No good works can save us or out-of-body experiences. It is only through God's grace that we are saved. Rather than following these gospel plus ideas, 
John exhorts his readers to remain in the truths of the gospel of Jesus so that they will be rewarded fully, uh, which is to be in the presence of God for eternity. And we see this in verse 9 of our passage. Now, after calling uh, these false teachers out for their blatant and anti-Christ behaviours, he then continues to talk about them, reinforcing his point further, just as he has with love and truth, particularly with how Christians should approach these people. Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that is, the true teachings of the gospel, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Now, in a Middle Eastern culture of hospitality and welcoming others into your homes, um, this is a challenging command given here by John, as he says to not even let them set foot inside your house. It's to take a stance on this false teaching and to fully reject it. Showing no hospitality in the first century meant that you were not endorsing nor accepting of the individual. But as we saw in verse 5 and 6 of our passage, John has just told his listeners to love one another and show God's love to those around them. Now, how do these two go hand in hand? Is it really loving to reject these false teachers outright? Yes, it is. As we've seen, the truths of the gospel and the love of God go with each other hand in hand. You cannot take one without the other. It is loving towards them because the rejection of the false gospel reveals that the true gospel of Christ is more important rather than being empathetic in our attitudes. Now, what does this look like today? Does this mean that we don't welcome anyone who preaches a false Jesus into our house? Uh, For example, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, who believe that Jesus was created by God and is not God himself. Are we allowed to let them in when they come to our doors? Now, I think there's a difference between letting letting them inside a literal house and endorsing any types of false teachers. Um, Endorsement means to support them, uh, whether by monetary means or agreement with their false teaching. But leading them into your house could be a way of telling them the true gospel. But in what other ways uh, can we let this false teaching seep into our lives? In what way can we let them into our house, so to speak, and share in their wicked work, as we saw in verse 11? Now, one of these ways um, is through the music industry, what we play, sing and listen to. Uh, Through singing songs made by false teachers and listening to their music, we support their work through licensing. Now, although it's only a small amount of money, uh, such as uh, streaming platforms, such as Spotify or Apple Music give, uh, it still goes towards these false teachers. Um, So I would encourage you all to consider what you listen to and continue to be discerning about what is around in the world of music. So today in 2 John, uh, we have seen what he would say to his local church and we've had the opportunity to do so. He has placed a great emphasis on the truth and this truth being all about Jesus and how this should shape their lives. He has also called his listeners and readers to love God and in turn love one another. And as a result of the call to be walking in the truth as well as loving one another, we have seen that they should remain in the truth by being wary of false teachers and the danger that they can be. Now, ultimately, John wants his readers and listeners to realise that. You already had a sneak peek of my key point. The truth and love that flows from the knowing the gospel of Christ shapes how we live our lives. The truth and love that flows from knowing the gospel of Christ 
shapes how we live our lives. Through knowing the truths of the gospel, we are able to walk in the truth as well as love one another. Two quick implications before we finish. First one, love one another and love God. Now, although it sometimes can be hard to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called by God to do so. Um, It's like I gave this analogy this morning and I'm going to explain it. So, it's like porcupines in a suitcase. So, imagine all these porcupines, you put them in a suitcase and you zip up the bag. Now, what can they do? They can't move around. All they do is poke each other and they can't get out. This is like church. Sometimes it can be hard and we do poke each other. But because of what God has done through Jesus, we should always seek to love one another to the best of our abilities. So what is one way this week that you can love a fellow brother or sister in Christ more? Is it being intentional in conversation after church? or maybe sending a weekly message to see how they're going. Next, loving God and seek and follow him always. Because of what he has done through Jesus, he has reconciled us to himself through his death and resurrection. And this is a part of the joy that John has for his readers, as they do this too. Whereas one way this week is that you can love God more, maybe more regular Bible reading or more regular prayer, or seeking to live for him in every part of your week, rather than just certain parts. Second, be wary of the gospel plus heresy and false teachers. There will always be false gospels and false teachers around um, until Jesus returns. Uh, So be discerning with what you hear. Uh, Does this message um, that this teacher is giving align with the true word of God? If it does... Uh, Be encouraged by what you hear and live for Christ. If it doesn't, uh, reject it, flee from it and help others to do the same. And the best way that we can do this is by reading the Bible for ourselves. So our discernment can be led from what the Bible says. And to finish, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as a result of the good news of the gospel, please continue to transform us to be more like Jesus. Please help us to live out our faith in how we love you and love one another, as well as being wary of false teachers. Amen. Any questions? Yeah. Yeah, James 1.22. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, James 1.22 is a good verse uh, for this passage too. Uh, yeah. Fletcher, you got a question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't get into these two verses, but yes. I finishes off by saying, I don't want to use hate with ease. Mm-hmm. Instead, I want to come and speak yeah. face to face. Mm-hmm. Would, would that just be John's just kind of like life position at this point? Or is, there, is he, would he rather talk to them face to face because of the seriousness of that? Yeah, I think he would rather see them face to face because it's the relationship there. Um, it's not as impactful as he can writing it. Um, yeah, so I'd say that's the reason why 
he wrote that saying. He, wa- he really wants to see them, but in the meantime, here's all the, the best I can do is write this letter to you. Yeah. Yep. I've got no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe th- maybe three John might have our have our answers. Yeah, yeah, James. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that John is saying, oh, the church over here says hi to the other church. Uh, yeah, because they didn't have any technology back in the day, so that was um, probably the best way to say hi. Yeah, encourage one another. Yep, John. Do you reckon verse 12, talking about hope visit you, talking to face to face, so that joy may be complete, do you reckon that sort of highlights the importance and value of Mm. Yeah, I think that's an important thing, like turning up to church um, is a good way of doing that. And then being intentional in conversations too. I think that's one way that we can be switched on, so to speak, in church. Yeah. I mean, the world that it looks a different way to communicate mm. actual face-to-face is, is vital. Yeah. It's a complete joy way. Yeah. 